Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. I recently listened back to the previous episode of the podcast with Aubrey Marcus, and my voice sounded fucking hectic during the intro, so please... I apologize, I was under the weather, but I have since recovered, thanks to the advent of fucking modern medicine and science. I love science when I'm on the precipice of death, when I'm knocking on sickness door, and I feel like I might not make it to see the next sunrise, and I put all my faith in modern science, and I go to a perhaps an urgent care or my local physician. And I see them and I believe in them because I believe in science and their education and their teachings. And and then they prescribe me a, a prescription drug that was created through science, through years and years, decades perhaps of testing and research that was built off the backs of hundreds of years of scientific innovation, all having to do with science. And then... And then I take said medications and have minimal side effects because there was an extensive research process of troubleshooting and, 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 and deep diving to make sure that the benefits outweighed the negatives. And, and then inevitably days later, I just feel back to my old adorable self. And it's all because of science and I don't question it. Because I believe in science. Hmm. But climate change is bullshit. (laughs) That's what I think people think. I don't know, man. I just don't get it. I don't understand how people can base their lives on living in a modern world, which is completely with the crux of which is all relies on like modern innovation technology and science that we've come to trust and know that since the advent of the fucking aqueduct since the five simple machines which i know exist i'm not sure exactly what they are i believe one's a screw one's an incline plane and there's like uh something else a pulley a lever anyway i know stuff listen i went to homeschool but i paid attention to my teacher AKA my mom. But anyway, we like rely on these things, these, these, these modern innovations to A, make our life better, uh, make our life livable, survival. I mean, if you live in fucking Arizona and you don't have air conditioning, how are you living out there? It's not possible. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and modern medicine. And yet there's like this part of, of science that we just were allowed to be opinionated on. (laughs) I don't know. Here he goes, liberal Larry spouting off his fucking, his, his diatribes at us. We just wanted to listen to a podcast. We didn't sign up for this. We don't want to hear your thoughts, Josh Peck. You're just a former child star. That's true. And you're not wrong. And does that disqualify me from the conversation perhaps? And yet I feel compelled to have it because it's just getting weird out here. It's very cold and very hot and everything in between. 
and I have a child now, and thus I am slightly invested in the future that will exist after me. Not much. I will be forgotten, and I'm sorry to say, as adorable as my son is, and he's fucking cute, guys. Whoa, is he cute. He's been smiling. I can't believe this. I'm pretty sure that's advanced. You know, the fact that he shows typical human emotions at the appropriate age. <laughs> pretty sure my kid's uh, better than yours. But anyway, you know, he'll be forgotten too. Max will be forgotten. Unless, I don't know. It's like, did I give birth to the next Tesla? You know, Nikola Tesla? I think that, yeah, Nikola. Like, maybe, did I, you know, did I give birth to the next uh, Galileo or Beethoven? maybe but probably not he's probably gonna be awesome but maybe not that awesome you don't know i'm not deluded in that way like i really like my kid and thus i want him to succeed and be happy but you know i don't i'm not like that stage dad who's like my son is gonna be the next freddie mercury or frank sinatra i don't know but yeah, man, he'll be forgotten too. But I want him to like not have to live on a planet that's on fire in the interim. I don't know. It's very, it's very, it's a very tough thing. And I try not to get into debates about it because it seems to go nowhere. And yet, here we are. Here we are. Um, what else? What else do I have? I'm just hanging. This is my life. I uh, I had a weird experience the other day. I, I, I had to go to um I had to go to an audition with a very powerful actor, uh, one whom I look up to. That we had to get we had to do this thing where you know these Hollywood types. It's called a, a chemistry read, and so basically, the lead actor who already has the job then goes in and reads with peasants such as myself to see if they've got that spark, that je ne sais quoi, that special something that's really going to leap off the screen and, and into people's hearts. So there I was. And I'm sitting in the waiting room and I had already auditioned. So now they're bringing you back and it's this like fun, cool streaming network show, like the biggest streaming network. I don't want to mention the name, but it rhymes with Bet Blix. Anyway, <laughs> so, you know, I was like sitting in this waiting room and it's me and it's like three other guys who are like lovely other actors who, you know, I, I've seen before. Like I know these guys and they get jobs and they work and they're talented and, and, it was funny because I was like looking at each one of them thinking like, oh, you got a job I didn't get. And then I looked at another guy and I'm like, and I got a job you didn't get. And like, uh, like one by one. It, and it just was like, spoke to like the cyclical nature of, of this, of this game and of life and this profession and this thing of like, one of us, it's like one of our turns today and somebody's going to get it and somebody isn't. And then there's a good chance that maybe it'll be okay. And maybe it'll be great. Or maybe it'll just be okay, and I'll see them at the audition, you know, in 18 months from now for the, for that new part. And then it'll be the other guy's shot. I mean, it was so funny because one of the guys who's like a real sweetheart, nice kid, like walked in and, and we had fought each other for the, not fought, you know, like what am I, what is this, a fucking duel? What are we like, I'll see you at dawn, bring your musket? No, like we auditioned against each other, which is like the nerdiest form of competition. But we auditioned 
against each other for grandfathered and that happened to go my way. And so when he walked into the audition, he looked at me, he's like, oh, well, I hope it doesn't go this way again. I hope the same thing doesn't happen. And I was like, that's amazing. And also that's why this is probably yours because you deserve it because you've been talented and maybe I was more right for that and you're probably more right for this. And it's not personal. (laughs) And it's just a, yeah, it's a trip, you know. It's a weird thing. Anyway, the audition didn't go great. I felt weird about it. Nah. Who gives a shit? It's all bullshit anyway. Because you know why? Because here we were. All three of us guys who have like been on the show that was supposed to be the life changer. You know? We've all been to the dance where they were like, they were like, you're the prom king. You're the best. It's all going to work out, Chet. Or Dan, you know, guys who would win Prom King. I imagine that would be their names. And then here we are. Here we all sit fighting for the same role. You know, with uh, no special treatment. We're just the same, you know, we're the, it's the same crew. We've all been there. We've all had the heights. We've all had the lows. And yet we, we meet again for one more lap around the track. One more shimmy across the dance floor. Oh my God. It didn't go well. I didn't feel great after. I remember telling my wife, I'm like laying on the couch and I kind of will take the night duty. So I'll feed my son and, you know, put him to bed while my wife gets a little rest early on because she's up all night with him and God bless her for that. Cause I'm not, your boy's not built for that. And I was like laying on the couch with my sleeping son and I just looked up at the ceiling and I said, why couldn't it? Why couldn't it have gone better? Why can't my life be different, Paige? She looked at me, this sad baby man who's got everything, and said, I'm sure it was fine. And that's why she's the best. Because that is a fucking appropriate answer. Because it was like flippant, not flippant. It just, she didn't engage with me in my bullshit. You know, she was like, I'm not here for this. Like, it's all good. You get it, you don't. Who cares? Who cares? I'm very lucky. I'm very, I love my wife. I do. I feel corny saying it. I feel like people are listening to this, like some guys on the precipice of like some ugly divorce and it's like this fucking, this sap. Yeah, talk to me in 15 years. Well, what I would say to that guy is, I'm sorry you're in pain. That sounds awful. And maybe that negative outlook is why your wife wants a divorce. <laughs> um, um, on today's show, what a show we have for you guys. What a show. Mark Paul Gosler. I mean, let me tell you what a sweetheart this guy is. I like him so much. And I was on his show, Pitch, another show of mine that was canceled. I don't want to talk about it. Why'd you bring it up, Josh? Why are you talking to yourself? Anyway. Um, Mark has been working like me since he was a sweet baby child and he is just one of those guys. He's like a shining light of a human being in the business because he doesn't let the bullshit get to him. He's a working man's actor. Um, he always does great work and I reached out to him after we had run into each other at a screening and I, I invited him on the pod and, and he was, he was down to clown. He was up for it right away. So he's on a show on Fox called The Passage. Excellent show. Watch that shit. The season finale. It's 
very good on Fox, The Passage. I'm going to plug it again because Mark is such a good dude. Um, and it was so great chatting with him. So, And it's on Fox, which is a great network, who they tend to cancel all the shows I'm on. But I still like them. Allison, shout out. Dana, the president. President Fox, very nice to me. Lovely person. Let me be, you know, let me ride on our private chat, which was sick. Thank you, Dana. Um, guys, enjoy Mark Paul Gossler. He's the best. Enjoy this. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, I got my stitches out today, so that's all good. Solid. How much, um... That's what it was before. Sick. Yeah. So you had laparoscopic, or not, uh... What's I don't orthoscopic? Know, orthoscopic something. something. The fancy yeah, kind. The fancy kind. Oh, I'm... There's all kinds of fun stuff. Where'd I had you... it done on my left shoulder, though. Oh, really? After pitch. No way. Yeah. From not, that? Not from, well... <clears throat> from training? Kind of. Kind of. No way. Yeah. You ever had surgery or anything? Um... We all good recording? Yeah. Amazing. You know, funny enough, I actually, I tore my pec. Josh Peck tore his pec. <laughs> bench pressing. No big deal. Okay. And so I got this sick scar. But yeah, it was, it was pretty traumatic. Yeah, it is a good scar. It's not bad. I, right? I have one there too mm. that looks like that, but it's from, it's like a stretch mark. <laughs> okay. When I was a, you know, scrawny little teen and then bench pressing and... I got big quickly. Uh, uh, I have a stretch mark that looks like that. Funny enough, I have stretch marks too, but it was from being morbidly obese <laughs> through my entire teenage years. I've heard. <laughs> I still can't picture it, but yes, I've heard. Um, yeah. Well, just Google search it. There's yeah. plenty of evidence. Um, you're so masculine with your injury. You're I sitting know. here. You're fresh know. out of shoulder surgery. I actually don't like wearing this, but I, I went to the doctor. Uh, it was 10 days post-op, mm. and I got the uh, stitches removed. And I'm being a good boy by putting on the the apparatus that they want you to wear. So I walked in like this and I'm going to wear it for the day. And then after this, I'm going to get rid of it. It's quite the rig. It is quite the rig. It's supposed to stop people from bumping into you and protecting mm. your arm. And I've noticed that people don't give a shit. Really? That you have a cast or, you know, this apparatus on you. Like if you're a Trader Joe's and someone needs the cheese, they're like, they don't give a fuck. They just push you out of the out Oh of the yeah. Or like the little sample counter at Trader don't Joe's. Care. Don't care. It's crazy. People go nuts for a sample. I was at Costco yesterday. Same thing. Like really? Those little. I I refuse. My wife went and she said, "Oh my god, I just tried the carnitas or the the pork." Oh. She's like, "It was amazing." I go, "I can't believe you did that." Like, why would you do that? She goes, "What are you What are you talking about?" I'm like, "You're one of them." Like the you sample people. You're the sample people. Yeah. Like, and she goes, and I bought it. I go, exactly. You did you. you you're like you're them they're the people that go nuts i feel like for the free t-shirt at the sporting event like, the ones they fire in the cannon yes yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. i we all have a t-shirt push babies out of the way for for you know the, a t-shirt and you know that the fabric sucks and you're gonna wash it twice and it's gonna fall apart yeah but for some reason it's free gotta you get that t-shirt um what was it what'd you do labrum rotator cuff what we talking here okay uh i i have to look at the sheet because i asked for that um 
I think it was a rotator cuff, obviously. I have some cables in there, uh, some anchors. Sheesh. They said the, the AC joint was a big problem, so they had to cut that away and shave a lot of bone away, and then I had a torn uh, tendon, the supraspinatus, which is was torn. I had an MRI and um, uh, x-rays done last May, and I needed surgery then. I had a, a specific injury then. It was a lot of years of abuse and neglect, but there was a specific thing that happened last year, which made me go like, oh God, I, I think I did something yeah. bad here. Went and had an MRI x-ray, went to my doctor and he said, yeah, well, you need surgery. And I couldn't get it because I was preparing for the passage. And then so I, I did the uh, full year of working on the passage with sort of a, a bum wing and, uh, and, and, uh, he, the doctor said uh, after the surgery, he says, you know, it was a lot worse than your MRIs and your X-ray had uh, had exposed. Mm. He says, did you do something on the passage? I said, no, just you know, being manly, heroic, being being the yeah. uh, being you know, number saver, one on the call sheet. That's <laughs> what savor of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Because you <laughs> one of the call sheets. I love that. No big yeah, deal. No big deal. Come on, it. You know, it's. I love a good injury, and I don't know why. I think because I love wearing the apparatus. I love when people ask. Mm, I don't. I don't. I love to I be hate that. Really, We're so opposite, Josh. I. It's all right. We can embrace yeah, it. Well, I know. I, you. You like that attention, though. I like that it's known that I have been physical. Okay. That I work out and I work out so damn hard that injuries result. But see, then I feel like, okay, I, I like that. I like that people know that I work out and that I'm a hero. Mm. And then all of a sudden when you have an apparatus, I'm like, oh, yeah, see that? They're the hero. He failed. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's flawed. He's not the hero we thought. He's not a perfect specimen. He's not a perfect specimen. I, um, I he's, he's mortal. Damn it! Yeah, I know. Don't talk. Don't, I, that's why don't I don't let this, on, Mark. This Paul. is mortal. This if is like you're mortal, this is Bruce Wayne. What? This is Bruce Wayne right now. You know, I'd, I'd like to always be Batman. I, I, <laughs> that should be the name of your book. Always be Batman. <laughs> a life MPG. <laughs> I, I remember I tore my pack and I was going in to get it fixed, and I'm there, and the anesthesiologist comes in and starts hitting on my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Of course. And he. Immediately looks over to her, doesn't greet me, and goes, "Are you a model? Do you model?" And I'm like, "She could be, but who cares? What What do you care?" And then she, he's like, "Oh, do you have any friends you could set me up with?" And I'm like, "This is very odd, Doc." And so then we're like, "He's got a needle in my neck, and he's like putting my arm to sleep." Yeah, and, did you get the nerve block? Yeah, that's awesome. And he, we were just talking about that. And did you, what my lovely anesthesiologist failed to tell me was that it was going to stun my diaphragm so that oh, I wouldn't you're be breathing. able to breathe? Yeah, 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 breathing. yeah, yeah. Just left that out. Oh, really? So <laughs> yeah. you had, you're like, I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like carting me out and I'm like looking at him, like staring at my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like looking at, at my wife Paige and I'm like, don't let him hit on you while he puts me out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this son of a bitch is going to kill me. I knew it. And oh, then yeah. have you ever heard of this? That after the surgery, the doctor comes out to you know yeah. tell my wife like went great he's in recovery bring in in about half an hour T 10 minutes later she hears pagey which is my wife's name is Paige, and only i call her pagey sure it was the anesthesiologist he comes out he's like surgery went great here's my number if you need to follow no he didn't say that but he was like why was the anesthesiologist saying that though that's it, not, the doctor have to say that it's not a part of their job not description really. they no. kind of give you the meds and then take off right? <laughs> yeah they bone okay. out yeah. They're always weird folks, the anesthesiologists. 
they have the drugs, man. They have the good stuff. Oh man. They have really good stuff. I mean, I, he gave me, I was just talking about this before we came in here that I don't remember a heck of a lot of the day mm. of my surgery. It was awesome. Yeah. Like I can understand amnesia. why, like, you know, I was thinking Michael Jackson had a great anesthesiologist, right? I mean, not that great. No, Dr. Conrad, man. Yeah. Yeah. The results were, you know, well, over time. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great to like have that in your back pocket to say, I'm going to take a day off and Those just first couple just of years shoot me up and I want to forget today. Check out. Check out. Oh man. I dream of that. Like a really good one though. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Under doctor's the care to get hit, loaded. Someone who didn't hit on my wife. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> sure. But you're, are you, cause I feel like you're always in shape. Is that a result of you? Or is that also like, I feel like you're never not working when you're on screen all the time. Like you got to look good. Let's be honest. Um, it's a little bit of both. I think I grew up always working out and it was like the thing that kept me clean in mm. a way because growing up in the business, there were all these pitfalls that you could kind of you know, party a lot and, and, uh, sports and being physical, um, kept me straight. Uh, but for the roles that I do, yeah, I've just been playing roles that the characters fit, I guess. I mean, pitch changed that for me though, because when I did pitch, when we did pitch, um, I had to gain 25 to 30 pounds in a very small amount of time. And, that was for the pilot and then I had to take my shirt off for the when we went into production so mm. I gained all this weight and it was it was bad weight like most people are like oh my god that's so amazing you get to gain weight you can eat it whatever you want it's like yeah you can but you're also gonna like not look good with your shirt off how'd you put it on tell me what you were going for uh, ice donuts? cream ice cream donuts pizza eating late at night milkshakes like just everything like everything and anything bananas with everything that's Peanut a weekday butter. for me oh god <laughs> right no it's not not anymore not anymore but not anymore if i let myself <laughs> right though but i don't eat i don't like to eat like that i'm not huh. a i'm not a you know i'm not a connoisseur of junk food mm. um i appreciate a good ice cream and milkshakes and stuff but it's you know for me it's uh, i I prefer eating clean. I like eating clean, healthy. So, what do you do when you got that big? Tell me the lead up to the shirtless scene, because that. Well, then I well me. because I so I put on a lot of weight, and uh, it was a lot of like bulky kind of fatty weight, and then knowing that I had to do, uh, we did this whole ESPN body issue on pitch. I went into a ketogenic diet, and mm. I started that, but I had to do it in a sort of modified way because ketogenic, you can lose a lot of weight. Um, but I had to maintain muscle and then lose like, you know, fat. And so I was just eating a lot of fats and animal meats and, you know, pumping up the, the calories. And then uh, the day of like, cause I did a movie with Chris Hemsworth. Right. And so he's like, sorry, you dropped something. Listen, I'm very famous, Mark. <laughs> you have no idea what a big deal. I am. <laughs> yes. I did a movie with Chris Hemsworth. It you know, not a lot of people saw it. Um, and what was it? It was called Red Dawn. It was a remake of the eighties movie. Oh yeah. And I just, you know, he's like a Adonis and a specimen yeah. himself. But to see the work that would go into a shirtless scene, even for someone like that, like he kind of, I'm not sure he ate much. Like the 36 hour period leading up no. to it. No, you don't eat much. You don't drink much. It's basically what fighters like boxers and and ufc mma guys will do leading up to uh, a weigh-in mm. where there's very limited amounts of food and water and they it's like a, they they cut weight 
You pumping up though too before you're hitting some like, weights, hitting some weights. But I've I've been told that um, I, I recently heard an interview with Hugh Jackman where I he, heard that he too. was holding weights. Did you hear that on right? Howard? Yes, on yes. Howard Stern, right? So he's holding dumbbells below the frame so that his arms are pumped while he's talking. So smart. I was like, that's really cool. I should just do that on my next procedural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that now. <laughs> just, yeah, just hold a weight. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, having, I, I've had to take my shirt off for scenes before, but it usually involves. Well, how, does that, how does that feel? Dude, I'm in a different place. No, no, no. But <laughs> here's the thing. You, do you still see yourself as the kid growing up? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to let go of that old story. Right. But at 30... No, but I mean, it's a big thing for you to take your shirt off. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot of baggage be, behind that. Oh yeah, man. And there's some irreparable damage. My, my, me with my shirt off looks like Google Maps. Like there's stretch marks. There's some scars. It's hectic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you have to, you kind of have to reconcile the fact that like, okay, like I've done great for me. And also comparatively, what I love now is when I look at my friends who were like so fit growing up as teenagers yeah. and now they're in their thirties and they've let themselves go. Right. And for 32, I look pretty good. So I'm like, I realize that it's all going to be fine, but I always have to have that talk with the director and say like, listen, I know this is necessary. I want to give you what the script's asking for. Can you please pick some flattering angles? Because nice. I'm going to need some help here. They usually do it. What did you have your shirt off for? I'm going to, I'm going to Google that immediately. Please. A movie called The Wackness. I oh, show, right. I show my butt in it. Oh, really? So, you know, but? Just, just saying. I have stretch, stretch marks on my butt. Really? Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, stretch marks on my butt. I was a skinny kid, and I, I I bulked up. I wanted to play football, right? And so from like sixteen to nineteen, I this, I just hit the gym. And you saw like on Saved by the Bell, it's like I progressively got bigger and bigger. Than when we did the college years, like who's who's that guy? Like a hundred and ninety pound kid. Yes, another advertisement. Mmm. Well, I just oh, it just feels like a warm audio hug. This episode of Curious is brought to you by Parachute. Parachute makes very comfortable home essentials like sheets, pillows, robes, towels, and all things soft and wonderful. Do you remember when Sunday fun day meant drowning in bottomless mimosa brunches or trying to watch football at loud bars full of aggressive dudes? How fun. Parachute is here to redefine what Sundays can be with impossibly fluffy pillows, soft sheets, and cozy bathrobes. They know real fun days include sleeping in late, taking long showers, cooking your own brunch, and making your own mimosas. For Parachute, lounging's a lifestyle. And they do it well. I know I would love... I, listen, I have a new baby child, and he hates sleep, and he hates his parents, apparently. Well, he hates our sleep schedule because he doesn't want us to have one. And the idea of just on a Sunday, just like digging in and just mm, just doing a nice little shuffle on my parachute sheets in my beautiful bed. I got a king size bed. And listen, I'm doing well. I'm different than you guys. I'm wealthy. And that means I have a really, I have a king size bed because I'm a king. 
Anyway, guys, I, I don't know what else to say except visit parachutehome.com slash curious for free shipping and returns on Parachute's premium quality, very comfortable home essentials. Yes, that's parachutehome.com slash curious for free shipping and returns on Parachute's premium quality, comfortable home essentials. They offer a 90-day trial, so if you don't love your new stuff, just send it back. Parachute, baby, is great. But it's interesting, too, to, like, look at you starting out on something like Stay by the Bell and that you were, you know, sort of playing, for better for worse, the heartthrob in, in some respects, like that guy. And yet, like, to know that you were, even you were going through, like, your own body issues oh then. God. Well, the whole character the, the, that we created, I remember reading, I, I just had this conversation with uh, Mario Lopez because we had the same sort of take on what Saved by the Bell, the... Uh, the pilot was it was a kid talking to the camera and we both said that was Ferris Bueller Mm. Ferris Bueller did that in in the film right Matthew Broderick and so when I read that pilot script I thought oh oh my god I get to play Ferris I mean this is amazing so that was my sort of muse that was my you know I would just act like like Matthew Broderick and then that particular character also then converted into people that I that I um I was just channeling people that I saw at my school, mm. like the popular kids and, and how they acted and how they were with girls. And that was totally not me. I was not that kid at all. I was sort of in between. I didn't hang out with like the stoners. I didn't hang out with the jocks or the, the popular people. I was sort of like in the middle, like just kind of, you know, just went along with it. It was like a, like a fish. It was like a Pisces. <laughs> and, and so how did you get Say by the Bell? Audition. Just in yeah. random. Well, <clears throat> I auditioned for a show called Miss Bliss, which was uh, a Haley Mills show for Disney, and we did thirteen episodes of that. And I auditioned for that, and that was the same character. His name was Zach Morris on that. And then they they did a spinoff. They kept me, Dustin, and Lark, and then they brought on um, three other additional characters. And when so you start doing this thing, and when when do you know that it's working? When does Which it become Miss Bliss or, or Say by the Bell? Bell? Like when does it become what it became? Uh, three years after we wrapped, so we wrapped in '93. Uh, college years went to '94, um, like I think March of '94, and then '96, '97 is when it hit syndication, and then it took off. Really? Yeah. No, it was. It was every year we thought we were canceled. Uh, we said goodbye to everybody at the end of the seasons. And uh, we had no idea the impact the show was having on anybody because there was, there was no social media, and it was a Saturday morning show. Our competition was Bugs Bunny. And because I heard you talk about this on on Anna Ferris's podcast, like, are um, you listen to other people's podcasts? I'm a you big, have the time to do that. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like the weirdo that listens like while I work out. I'm like listening to Joe Rogan. I like Joe. Joe's uh, good. I don't listen to his podcast. I just catch like clips of his. Yeah. You know, like I'll catch things on YouTube. There's a thing called an iron neck that he promotes. What is it? It's this thing like, do you, do you have neck problems or shoulder problems or anything? Oh, this is the thing that hooks to the door? Uh, that no, that's the it? hammock. Okay. That's the neck hammock. Tell this me is more. The, this is the iron neck where it's sort of like the saucer that sits on your head and then you hook it up to a cable and then it really like strengthens all the little tiny muscles in your neck, which then, you know, because your neck muscles is this thing that runs from the base of your skull down to the, your, your butt crack. Right. And 
all of your other muscles are tied into that. And we never strengthen our neck. And so people always like ask like, well, I have shoulder problems. I have back problems. A lot of it stems from your neck being strong enough to take daily use. So and do so you use it? I'm, I'm just, Joe Rogan talks about things and I'm, I'm one of those people like, you know, if Joe Rogan talks about it, it's got to work. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, I ordered one of these. I'm getting it in the mail today. I'm so excited to try it, but you know, Joe, yeah. Listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, he's got so many great things about, uh, foods and, um, fitness things and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm that guy too. Like I just, I'm a big consumer. Yeah, and I just love to like get whatever the new thing is, <laughs> or like you know, I, I what's knew- the new, what's the what's the latest thing that you had to have? Oh man, I mean, I know you're a big Onyx guy, mm-hmm. and that was through Joe. That's Joe. That was you know, <clears throat> it was one of those things where I was looking for a plant based protein. I'm thinking whey can't be great for you. There's got to be something wrong with whey, and it gives you weird farts. It does. It's hectic. It is. Well, it's here, a lot of dairy. There, there, there is hope, and we'll get to the hope part. Um, so I was listening to Joe and he was a ambassador for on it and he was talking about the plant-based protein. And so I did research and I looked up on it and I was like, Oh, there's great plant-based protein. It's hemp or whatever that was back yeah. then, whatever. And there was a link on the, on it website that said, if you'd like sponsorship, click the link. So I clicked the link and I wrote my name out. And I said, like a little thing about who you are, what you do. And I said, I'm just a enthusiast and I'm looking to be healthier. And I'm, and that's amazing. So that, you didn't I, write like, hi, it's Mark Paul Gossler, yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in caps. Um, and I got an email back. They're like, they wrote back. They go, are you the Mark Paul Gossler? And I go, I guess. <laughs> and they go, this is amazing. We're like, you, you're interested in our products? I go, I don't know. I just want to. I want to try your products and, uh, and, uh, I'm willing to pay, but you know, obviously, uh, I said, but the free shit is awesome. The free shit is great. Yeah. And they sent me some free shit and I tried it out and I said, your stuff is really good. And then I became an ambassador for on it as well. So I'm an ambassador along with Joe Rogan. So getting to the hope part about whey, I have now converted back to whey protein and on it makes a very good whey protein that will not give you gas and will not make you feel bloated. Look at you being it an ambassador. It is grass fed. Yeah, it is grass fed and it's very, very, very clean. It mixes beautifully. Uh, sounded like Trump right there. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's huge. Wait, enormous. This whey protein, it's terrific. Um, <laughs> the best. The, the best. best. <laughs> We're going to actually build a wall out of canisters of whey. It's crazy. Um, wait, <laughs> I'm fascinated. Just as a random tangent, because yeah. I know all famous people, we love free shit. We what's, do. What's the best free thing you've ever gotten? Like, in a, I'm talking gift bag. I'm talking like a trip. Every once in a while, I'll. I'll get like things from Microsoft, so that means like an Xbox. Sick. That's pretty cool. So, um, are we talking like a Surface tablet? I did. I got it. No, not a Surface tablet, but I got the huge Surface uh, computer, like the big, like work computer, which is dope. It's on my desk, and I, I definitely use that. And and yeah, that was probably big. What what have, what have you gotten? I mean, you know, I got you get a some, lot of stuff. I got some good shit. You get a lot of stuff because you can talk about it here. You have a you have a platform. I have a good outlet, like with this and social. I remember once I can't say her name because that'd be shitty. But like, we're talking like an A level actress, like Academy Award winner, and not Meryl Streep. And my buddy was an accountant on a movie she worked on, and all he remembered was that she took the blender out of her trailer, that she kept the blender. <laughs> 
There was like a $30 Hamilton Beach blender. He's like, can you believe she kept the fucking blender? Like, he's like, I know how much I was paying her. But she, she loved the blender. Maybe there's like a feast or famine type mentality to actors, right? Because like most of us stay so friggin' destitute for so long that once we have some success, we still think we need well, to like... I would always think that too, because I had famous friends before I became not, you know, famous, I guess, but sure. I, I had friends that were professional athletes and they would get cars and they would get like free trips. And that's another thing. Like, I think we've, we, we're getting a free trip later this year to go to, uh, Orlando to universal. I'm doing like something with, uh, extra cool. And Mario and we, they were, we get to take our kids. I'm like, that's amazing. Like I work for an hour and I get a free trip out of it. It's amazing. Um, but I would always like say to them, you don't need it, right? You don't need the free car because you have enough money to have a car. Yeah. And then now that we're in this position, like, you know, to get free stuff, it's, I, I still feel guilty about it in, in, in a way. That, well, that's good. I mean, it's uh, guilty, but we don't say no, right? I right? don't say no. MPG, no. come on. No, no. You know what I mean? Actually, I got a, uh, I don't know, it might piss off some of your, view, uh, <laughs> your listeners, but a uh, really cool thing that I got from the passage because I was working out there is I got a free uh, uh, pistol from a, a gun maker. No way. Posted something on my Instagram. I was training for the passage, mm. and the guy was like, uh, I'd like to send you that pistol that you were training with. And I was like, okay, great. Solid. So I was like, okay. I think about that now because I have a kid, and so I feel like this big impulse to be able to protect my family. Well, that's ridiculous. And I like think, should with I a be a gun owner? No. And I'm like, no. No, you shouldn't be. I absolutely no, and, and, not. And to, and to completely clear up things, <laughs> I don't use it for home invasion. Right. Uh, for, for home invasion, I have an alarm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, a, and a dog, hopefully. And a city uh, police force. Yeah. And a, yeah, and a, and a cell phone. Mm. And a safe room. Oh, I'm kidding. I would love a safe room, though. So would I. What would you? What would be in your safe room? Xbox. Okay, solid. Um, I guess food for the kids. But that's a given. Yeah, but yeah. like, what what pleasantries of the modern world? In are there, you I would I would like to have a firearm in the safe room. So what? Just because to practice just in case, loading? like, well, no, in case they they were able to infiltrate the safe room. Right. But there's too many variables involved with trying to you know, have a firearm for a home invasion. Like your kids, for instance, when they get old enough, they're going to be in a different room. Like how is this too much? Like let's just all make it to the safe room. And that's where our arsenal is going to be. I'm not getting, you Bazookas know. Bazookas, <laughs> grenades. <laughs> I share your thing of like not, you know, I'm not making any sort of opinion towards good or bad. But what I will say is like, I've got friends like, you know, who will, have a family and a home and they'll be like, I have a gun now for like safety. And I'm like, what makes you qualified to use it? They'll be like, I filled out the form. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like get some training, yeah. my guy. Like, and the training is so much fun. Yeah. Like you should get training. It's yes. amazing. It's so much fun. Like I, I, I train here in LA. Uh, I train with the same guy that trained uh, Keanu Reeves for John Wick. And I, I started that because of the passage. Um, I'm plugging the hell out of the show. Please do. That's awesome. The right? passage, watch it on yeah. Fox. 9 p.m. Huge. 8 Central on Fox. Uh, but I, I started training with this guy, and I realized I've been a gun owner since my, my dad got me a gun, I think, when I was 18. Uh, I've, I've, I've born and raised here in, in Los Angeles. We used to go shooting out, you know, Angeles Crest and, and all these other gun ranges out there. And until I trained, I'm 44, and until I trained with Taryn Butler, who trains Keanu, did I realize I know nothing about how to shoot a gun in a defensive way. Like 
you know, target shooting is one thing and, and, and being standing there and just firing a gun. Sure. But to actually use it to and move, I had no idea. And uh, it, was, it was absolutely everyone should take training. It's a whole other game. Whole other game. I, I have heard from like SWAT officers and whatnot that the best home defense is a dog. Yeah. And um, bear spray. Yeah. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. But I know I'm going to be that asshole who like thinks that the Postmates guy is <laughs> is looking a little squirrely and I like, you know, spray bear spray. It's also a thing of like you're in your house and a lot of home invasions I would imagine take place when you're not when you're sleeping. We always had that thing of like I'm going to be in bed yeah. and my firearm's going to be right or your bear spray is going to be right next to your bed and you're going to be able to hear a noise, wake up and then grab it and then you know, go to the source of the problem. I think a lot of home invasions happen when someone's in another room right. or another part of the house, or maybe you went to the backyard to check your stakes and, you know, and, and it happens. And so how are you going to get your bear spray or your firearm or, or, or what to protect yourself? Right. Right. Yeah. That's what, what I'm always do? thinking. Like it's, so it's, it's, it's nice to know that I have them. And I guess if you had a sign that said, I have firearms in my house, don't even think about it. That's when, like, if someone's that's what my <laughs> alarm sign says. If, it says protected by, you know? Like, just drive off. Go to another place. My biggest fear is that someone's in my house and I'm not near a weapon, and so I just have to lower my voice and say, who's in here? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be like, get out of here! <laughs> like, just sound as manly as I can. Right. I remember a, a surreal moment when my... My wife's, uh, or my mother-in-law was um, staying at their house and they live like, they've got this beautiful house by the beach. And um, uh, my wife's dad was like out of town. So it was just her, my mother-in-law staying alone in the house. And they had had someone come by to do some work on the house earlier in the day. And she just got a bad vibe from the guy. He was mm -hmm. like kind of scoping the place a little mm -hmm. bit and like not making her feel safe. And then he said, well, I'll be back tonight like uh you know i'm gonna come drop off some parts but it'll be later like around 10 or 11 then he was sort of asking like really fucking creepy leading questions like who, why isn't anyone else here like when yeah. will they be back and yeah. she's like no 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 so i remember that my my wife said you know i think my dad would really appreciate if we like went and stayed with my mom i know sure. they'd love it if there was like a man in the house tonight and i was like oh my god when a man is required i qualify now like, I'm that man. And like, fuck, like, I gotta be the guy. Like, so we all, and there was the three of us at the house. And I'm like, fuck, if this guy comes in, like, I'm- You're, they're gonna look to I'm you I'm number to one. Yeah. You're number one on the call sheet. That's crazy. Ah. Man, I, I've, yeah, the things have changed. Um, Did you feel that way? So you have a baby now. Yeah, five weeks old. Um, you were in the room. Sorry, I just hit your mic. No worries. You were, you were in the room for the delivery? Yeah, my wife had a C-section, so it was okay. like, but I, yeah, I, I was I, there. Yeah, you were there, and they had the curtain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty scary. Were you scared? Um, I was really nervous. It was funny, because I'm by her head, yeah. and I'm like trying to hype her up. I'm like, so my first two kids were C-section. Yeah, so, so I, you know. I know the whole, yeah. So I'm like. did you? Isn't it weird? Did you have it at uh, Cedars? Cedars, yeah. So you sit outside while they're prepping her. Do they do that? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like yeah. they're like, okay, they take your wife and they, you know, she goes into a room and you're just sitting out in that hallway, right? And you're sort of sitting there like, what am I doing here? And then they kind of open the door and they go, okay, you can come in now. And then you walk in and she's already strapped to the table. Yeah. Right? Cold. 
She's like, yeah, shivering. It's very intense. And you're like sitting in that hallway with like your painters overalls on and like your hairnet. And you're like, (laughs) fuck. You're like, and it's just a very, you know, you're powerless in that moment. And I just remember being by my wife's head trying to hype her up. Like, I'm like, you're my hero. You're Beyonce. And then also the anesthesiologist is right next to her, but she can't see him, but I can. So whenever I would like feel nervous or there was like a precarious moment where like there was a weird sound or something's going on. I would like lock eyes with him and I'd be like, we good. Yeah. Are we good. Yeah, yeah. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry. But yeah, it's terrifying. But then the moment Milo, uh, Max, Max, Max Milo, Max yeah. Milo. So the minute, is it just Max or is it Max Milo? Just Max. It's not like Mark Paul. No, you didn't it hyphenate it. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Is that, is it too late? No, you, well, no, you just call him whatever you want. All right. You just need to throw in the hyphen, though, so he can't say, that's ah, my middle name. I like that. See, because Mark Paul is my first name, and then I have a middle name as well. What's your middle name? Harry. I feel like this is like a, we're Man, a breaking we're really news story. We're really opening up here. No one- We're really opening up Thank here, you though. for saving this for my podcast. Yeah, I said it on Anna's, too, or Anna's. Did you? I don't know. <laughs> no, you didn't. I listen. I'm taking credit for it, guys. So you going it back first. to Max, when he was born, we're going even. This is all tying into you being a man, yes. right? When he was born, did you feel like, holy shit, I'm now man? Like I have to take care. Like I have to provide. I have to. Like I have to, I'm responsible now for this. Yeah. Did you have an instant? Like I remember in the room when you look beyond the curtain. And there came, my, my son was Michael. Uh, when he came around the curtain, I was like, oh my God, the, 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 the gravity and, the, and the, what it all meant mm. just came rushing in at that moment of like, I have to, I'm the man in, in this. Yeah. I was thinking I was like 31 or so. And yeah, it was like, oh my God. Like that moment of I'm responsible. It's weird. What happened for me immediately was that it was like, and I've talked about it on the pod, like it was like a door unlocked in my brain that I didn't know was there. And so it was like something activated in me. It was like I was given keys to a city that I didn't know existed. And then all of a sudden they were like, welcome to this new town that's fully built. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Like, so, you know, and I know you hear like some dads don't immediately connect to the kids Mm -hmm. like a little older and more responsive, but I just felt like a deep love and then I was running on adrenaline for the first few weeks and only in the last like two and a half weeks has sort of like a little bit of that dread set in of like, I gotta fucking keep it together and like provide for this guy. I think you're also in this position right now where your son really doesn't give a shit who feeds him, who cleans him and who puts him to sleep. Really. Yeah. Like he doesn't care. Like there's, like he may, does he smile yet? Or does he recognize? A little bit. Little bit. Little. It's starting to happen, but you're at that point where you're like, dude, you got to give me something here, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I'm working my ass off for you, and you're giving me nothing, right? Right. That's that's. It, it'll get better, and it's like it's funny how nature does that, right? They they before you you have a child, your your sleep is off, mm-hmm. and it's preparing you for all the lack of sleep you're going to have, and so you're at this point now where you're 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 not sleeping. Yeah, it's hectic. It's hectic. And then nature, this other thing where like your your adrenaline runs for three weeks and you're, because those are the most intense times of of taking care of this child. And then all of a sudden you like, you feel his dread and then he'll start smiling at you and then, and then noticing you when you come into a room and it's like, oh my God. And that energizes you again right. for the next couple months. It's like, there's all these little like markers along the way. It's pretty radical, man. You're in for a lot. 
Did you? I have four. You know that, right? I know you. And I feel like you're such like this family man. Like, has it like <laughs> has it kept you from sort of like the pitfalls of the business and all like the? No. 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 no I, the, the the pitfalls of the business that I was shaped a long time ago. Like I said, the athletics and my parents and my and my immigrant parents. Mm. Um, you know, instilled in me a, a, a work ethic that I still carry to this day. Um, but I love the business, but I don't, the business doesn't define me. Like I could easily move away and do something else. Could you? Yeah. What would course. you do? I don't know. You tell me, I'll, I'll do it. That's a problem though, right? It's like, I feel like acting is kind of like porn in the sense of like, what, like once you're in for a while, like if you decide, or uh, let me say it about me. If I decided tomorrow to be like, Fuck it all. I'm not going to do anything even adjacent to entertainment, mm -hmm. like podcasts or whatever. I love real estate. If Josh Peck was your real estate agent, well, you would you go to your move, wife after you and you'd say, fuck this fucking guy. Yeah, no, you'd have to move away. People look at you like you'd you were a fit, like you failed. Or, right, right, right. Right. So it's kind of- Would you move away and become a real estate or you'd- Try to do it here in LA. I think it'd be worse if I was in Wichita or like Dallas. I mean, those that's big Drake and Josh territory out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I think it'd be better. I think I, it'd be, I think you'd be I think you'd be better off. I, better I, than LA because in LA you're going to run into people. Right. You run into me because I'm looking <laughs> for a new home and I'll be like, Josh, I did your podcast. This right. is so awkward. <laughs> Like you're not in the business anymore. I'd be like, so it's a uh, forty-five hundred square feet colonial. Charming. Um, it's a charming colonial, which means it's a shithole when they say charming. <laughs> charming. I right? love when that. When they, they say charming, I'm like, stop. Yeah. Stop it. It's a fixer-upper. Stop it. <laughs> or they only show one room. It's like the only room that they renovated. Well, I'm always like, w my wife and I, Trulia and Redfin is pouring to my wife. So <laughs> sure. That's like, I'm like, we have a beautiful home. She's like, I know. I just like looking at it. Like, okay. But she, we always pick apart the pictures. Mm. We judge the pictures. Like, this is what you're trying to sell your home off of. Like, people don't know how to take a picture of right. something they're trying to sell. You can't, you can't do that. There's towels hanging there and dirty things and things on the counter knickknacks take them off yeah it's no one bad. wants to see that shit. no one wants to see your child so if you're going to be a, a real estate you know you can maybe hire us for like i'll do your pictures for you yes podcasts the best ads on podcasts even better i wish there was a podcast that was just advertisements because i wouldn't listen to it can listening make you a better parent probably a better leader maybe even a better person well the truth is you're an awful person right so it's not hard to get even just like slightly better can listening to motivating fitness programs get you fit i know i could listen to something and have a six-pack the next day well there's never been a better time to start listening than on audible with audible you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks including bestsellers motivation mysteries thrillers memoirs and more audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet and now with audible originals the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members look i was recently listening to my buddy Nick Bilton's book, American Kingpin, about Ross Ulbricht and the Silk Road, which was like the preeminent sort of marketplace for drugs and shenanigans and bad things, but fun things. I mean, listen, that kind of place can't exist because it's evil, but while it was around, sounds like a good time. Anyway, Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best 
place to listen. You're going to get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash pack or text pack to 500-500 and listen for a change. That's audible.com slash pack or text pack to 500-500. Why don't you listen for a change? You try it. Okay, bye. Well, I think like, and you've gone through this where like you've had incredible success and then also like you've been on shows that went one season and, and like I've. Dude, after pitch, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to become an attorney. I'm going to, I'm going to go and go back to school and I want to pass the bar and go from here. Well, and why was that? You were just over it? Um, because the highs are so high and the lows are so low in this business. You know, it's like after pitch, I really, no, actually it was before pitch. It was, uh, it was a show that I did on NBC. It was a sitcom and it was right before pitch. I had no idea where my career was going to go. I thought I would do the sitcom and that would be the end of it. I could retire off of the sitcom. We did 10 episodes. It was, and that was it one and done. Uh, and then audition for pitch and and I've been pretty good for the last two and a half years because of my relationship with Fox and 20th, sure. which were both uh, uh, partners on pitch. Um, but yeah, it's because you, you get to these point where you're just so hard, you're so tired of fighting all the time, right? You're so tired of, of putting it out there and then it, it doesn't go your way. And, and being in the business for over 30 years and having that be my makeup and, and, you know, having to, to live with auditioning and, and, you know, for people who aren't in the business, audition is like a job interview. You're going in there wanting this. It's way worse. It's even worse. Well, I think it's all relative. Because it's like, the problem is though, it's not merit based, right? Like, cause anyone, well, would, that's true. Anyone could see you Absolutely. and go like, that's what I say. If like you're, if you come, come out of school and you're a good doctor or you're a good lawyer or you're a good engineer, you're going to get a job in your field, right? Yes. You being a good actor are not always going to get that job. It could be based on looks. It could be based on the fact that they offered it to such and such who doesn't like you. Uh, or uh, something that ha- you have no control over. That is that what you mean by like a hundred percent, and or just that they that you've kind of had too much success, and they feel like oh, we know this guy. <laughs> like this is he's already this. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there's no yeah. The, it, that's why I say like to your point, like lawyers, doctors, engineers. The reason we look at these professions and hold them in such high esteem is because the barrier of entry is so high. No one's dabbling in, you know, piloting or fucking, you know, oh, you know, I do like I'm a side lawyer. But like anyone can be an actor. Anyone can just say it. Well, there are some there, there and why I thought, oh, I'm going to I'm, I'm just going to go back to school and, and, and try to pass the bar is because I met a guy who was an actor. He was a stage actor. And now he's a very successful uh, uh, family law attorney. Really? Like, does really well. Like, I, I went to this guy's house, and we were talking, and I was thinking, I just just do this. I, I, and the other thing about it is you know that you're, you, you're going to have some lean years, mm. but you're also, you know you're going to have an income, a steady income, whereas for actors... Unless you're on a show that goes for th- more than three years, every year is like this, you know, roller coaster ride of like, God, I hope it gets picked up, and then if it does, great. But if it doesn't, which is normally the case, it's like oh, I got to go through this whole thing again, you know. And then it's like, oh, back again, and then back again. 
do you look at other now that you've you know you're such a seasoned vet in that way like do you look like i remember doing a show where we'd get the show and then first season you're halfway through and someone buys a house and i'm like rookie mm, mistake <laughs> like no houses till season three <laughs> dummy <laughs> like, somebody just said that to me too they're like oh they're, you're gonna join Lakeside, you know. That's a golf. Uh, yeah, super nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like season three, baby. You gotta wait till season three. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you don't know how the business works, man. Yeah, I need. Uh, I'll, I'll do little uh, remodels. Fair, you know that that the, oh that's you know pitch bought me a a, a, a gym equipment stuff. And then uh, uh, the passage bought me a pool. Finally, like I've, my first pool after thirty plus years of being in the business, I finally have a pool. MPG got a pool now. I got a pool, man. Okay, living the big life. Pool man. Yeah. So, but like, I, I'm interested because I've talked about this, and I've had like Stamos on and Danny Chun, who created Grandfather. How was that? How was that show? Because you worked with Dan Fogelman on that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think I was supposed to do something on that. On that, uh, like they. they they offered me like to come on and something didn't work out. You should have. I know. Maybe we fun. wouldn't have gotten canceled. <laughs> nah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a show killer. I've been, I've been labeled that every once in a while. You know, I come out on like the last season of a show that's already fucking dying. And then, you know, you do a guest star and like, oh, it's because MP was on it. That's, that's why amazing. I got canceled. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. But like, isn't it, you know. So, so what we were you saying about Grandfather though? No, well, we were both on shows. It's like Dan Fogelman mm -hmm. was creator driving force and and now he's got like this is us and one of the biggest shows on television and so when all the auspices are right and yet it's it's i'm interested to hear your feeling about this too in doing something like grandfathered it was trippy to kind of see us start so strong and then for better or for worse you kind of get through halfway through and then towards the end and you did think you like, only do one season yeah just mm -hmm. one oh. and i remember thinking like i remember honestly if no bullshit like us in our last week and the crew who I just, you know, are always the salt of the earth and everyone kind of like patting each other on the back and being like, see you guys next season. And I just remember in the back of my head going like, maybe like, and just because, you know, not a lot of people were watching it. Are you, were you, are you the actor that will ask for overnights and see what the, how the show is doing? With? No. No? So you. I stay away. I, I, I have a hard time even watching the show. <laughs> Right, Let but do you want to know what the like, data? So you're not. A, 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 I feel like if it's good, I'll know. <laughs> like, so what was the data though? What were you hearing for grandfather? That every week it was less and less people were watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got an SOS call from Stamos. I remember like a couple days before because you know, again, it's like everyone starts thinking about like, but we have such great people, right? And they've already spent so much money, right? And they should just, you know, it needs two seasons. Got to let it breathe. You know, it's got to yeah. find itself. And I remember everyone was like totally feeling good. And then like two days before the announcement, Stamos calls me and goes, I don't think we're going to get picked up. Hmm. He's like, I'm not hearing good things. And I'm like, yeah, I've been kind of preparing myself for that because I'm an actor and that's what we do. Like yeah. we sort of expect the worst. Well, yeah. And that's the, it's the, the part of the industry or I mean, one of the, parts of the industry that bums me out probably mm. the most is that I can't enjoy success as much as I should. So, you know, we all know what it takes to book a pilot and then to get a pilot made and actually picked up is another success. And then to find out what night you're going to be on 
and who your lead-in is going to be, you know, depending on, you know, if you're going to be on like Friday nights or they're going to bury it in Sunday, wh- whatever, Sure. you know, depending on where you are at, that's another success. And then how many episodes you're going to get is another success. And then do you get a little bit of a back order or do you, you know, get a pickup for next season? All these little things that are really cool accomplishments and you should be super fucking excited about. Yeah. But I always feel like, ugh. I can't get too excited because I know it's gonna what could happen, mm. and it's only just around the corner. And one slip up, and we're back to you know the, my friends go we call it the folding chairs, of like sitting in the folding chairs and signing your name, you know, yeah. and saying you know hi, I'm Mark Paul, singing Gosler. for your soup, singing for your soup, which you know I is is fine sometimes, but pilot season you've been through it i mean it's it's the worst oh it's very disheartening <laughs> it's terrible, i remember not to shit talk fox because i love y'all but during pilot season i like the parking at fox was the the parking tower was sort of closed down okay. so they were having us park remotely like where yeah there's like, nowhere to park around fox like almost another zip code okay and so you would, walk, you would walk to the lot and you would just be passing guys like i'm like oh, i was in acting class with that guy 12 years ago like you just like passing these poor saps and i'm like here we go but it was all right do you get that though when you walk into a room like you you are you're auditioning do you you audition right are you kidding okay. yeah and I have a podcast. Well, I audition. You a huge following. <laughs> Shut <Nah>. the fuck <laughs> up. Um, but when you walk in and you, you, it's almost like the the realtor mm. sort of mentality. Like, oh, huh, things must not be going well for Josh. He's auditioning. Totally. You get that? Do you feel that? Yeah. Well, that's ego. Like, and right. my ego I get, tells I get me that. I get it too. A hundred percent. I also go in going, yeah, I'm gonna fucking take this job away from you. Totally. Right. Yeah, I mean, my ego, like, definitely, and and I think you, I project some of that, but I remember last year going out for, and I can say their names because they're super successful and will continue to work, but I remember, like, having a, a sort of revelatory moment. I go into the waiting room, and there's my buddy James, who was on, like, 11 seasons straight of One Tree Hill, and, like, so, like, was on a successful show sure. that went forever, and I'm like, oh, he's auditioning, and then RJ, who played... um uh, Brian Cranston's son on Breaking Bad. So like great actor was on one of the biggest shows, but it just ended two seasons ago. I'm like, and here I am who have, I've had some success and I'm like, here we are, like the three of us, doesn't matter. Like, right. All going for the same part and have had a lot of good moments. So I, I just remember thinking like, oh, it doesn't really fucking matter. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I auditioned for Pitch and and I had worked with Kevin Falls, who was the executive producer. I hadn't worked with Dan Fogelman. And I remember I had worked with Kevin for four years on Franklin and Bash. He was the show creator of that. And uh, I said, hey, you know, put, put in a, a good word for me. Or, you know, maybe I don't have to read. Yeah. And he says, no, you need to come in and fight for this. I'm not going to tell Fogelman that I even know you. He's like, just come in. and He goes, I know you can do this. Just come in and, and fight for it. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because I went in there. I wasn't, I didn't feel I was, I, I, I changed the character quite a bit. Um, and uh, Fogelman you know, responded to it and, and said, can you grow a beard? And that was, that was the end of it. But I saw some of the actors walking in and I'm thinking, oh, it was a guy who had a successful show, you know, for the last two years and he was hot and, you know, networks wanted him. Right. And I'm seeing him walk in. I'm like, oh man, but you know, it all works out. Yeah. If I see Miles Teller walking in an audition room, I leave. <laughs> I'm like, that, I'm like, have fun. I'm like, have fun in Vancouver, Miles. <laughs> like, you're going to kill this shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah. You don't see him for sh- TV shows, though. No, he gets straight no, offers. Let's be real. Come, Come on. on. I saw Whiplash. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then I'm interested, too, in what was it like working with Bochco? Amazing. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. He's uh, like a jet, a TV Jedi. He was the, he was a great protector. Mm. You know, I always felt super safe and secure in his bubble. And he created a bubble um, for many years on all his projects. And what's it like entering into a show like that where it's, was it, I mean, I imagine it was already a well-oiled machine. It was a super well-oiled machine. I entered on uh, episode, uh, episode uh, season nine mm. of, um, of NYPD Blue. And it was, uh, we ended up, it, again, it was supposed to be the last season. And then it went for four seasons after. Wow. So we got uh, uh, 12 seasons total. And uh, um, yeah, I, I auditioned for another show of his. It was a Kim Delaney show called Philly. They had already offered it to Tom Everett Scott. And uh, he said in the room I, after the read, he stood up and he shook my hand. He goes, you're really good. I'd love to work with you in the future. And I thought, well, you know, that's very nice coming from Mr. Bochco. And, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I thought, what a nice way for him to send me off. We hear it all the time, you know. It's like, oh, sure. you're really good. Just not for this role. Yeah. And uh, two weeks later, he called my reps and said I'd love for him to be a part of NYPD Blue. And I was, I took the job not knowing what it was going to be. And, and I thought I was going to have me be a beat cop because uh, there were there, nobody was leaving the show. And then um, shortly after that, he, he said he hadn't had a role yet for me, but he wanted me to be on the show. And then shortly after that, Rick Schroeder left. And then he said, you're going to be filling in for him. Like, wait, two things wrong with that. Number one, you're taking one child star and inserting another child star, which is weird. Yes. And then you're taking a 28-year-old, I think at the time I was, you're taking a 28-year-old and making him Sipwitz's partner. I'm not from New York. I'm an LA kid. I had never even read for this role. There, There is no role. Like, you're creating a role based on you know, me in a way. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, yeah. He just saw it. I he guess had a he vision. did. He had a vision. Man. Of course I got slammed on the boards, on the mes- message boards. Thank- thankfully social media wasn't there. So it's like, like instant, like Twitter, you can check Twitter. So it's like the chat room. The chat rooms, which are even. They were on fire. <laughs> they were on fire. He's going to fuck it up. On AIM. Yeah. Um, AOL. <laughs> so what's your. AIM, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I AOL miss it. AIM. Do you really? Maybe. The little walking, right? Yeah. The, on, on AOL, wasn't it like while it's loading, it was like a little walking thing? Yeah, the 56K dial-up mm-hmm. modem. Mm-hmm. It's great times. So what is your, having worked as much as you have, like what does your process look like day to day? I mean, with TV, it's a rigorous schedule, but what is your, I'd love to know like what your prep looks like for a role. Uh, my prep, if it's an out-of-town thing, my prep is on the flight there. Really? Yeah. I don't have time. I have four kids, man. I have four kids and a wife and a life. And it's it's really hard for me to prep mm. um, and to say, okay, I'm unavailable right now. But what about like for something like Pitch where you're playing a catcher? I don't know if you... Well, that was pretty tough because I'd come home. We, we, we I, I'll say this. My, my, I hope my wife doesn't mind, but we had to go to therapy over Pitch because I would come home as Mike Lawson. So I was, you know, this gruff bearded guy. Stoic, yeah. Stoic, <laughs> yelling, uh, grumpy dude. And uh, I would come home as that guy. And, you know, my wife would say, I'm not married to Mike Lawson. I'm married. Like, where, where's Mark Paul? 
Right. So it was hard for me to go in and out of that character. Um, that was the first time uh, that, that, that that's happened. Because Franklin and Bash was when I met my wife. Peter Bash was like this, you know, uh, uh, I, I sort of based him on um, Jeff Bridges' role in, in The Big Lebowski. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a surfer dude, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And, uh, you know, my wife met me and I was that kind of character. I was like, you know, yeah, drinking white Russians and, and uh, living at the beach. Yeah, loving it. Do you, I, I mean, I guess. But that, that, that's how my prep is, I guess. I guess I, I kind of live in that skin leading up to it, but it's more of a, a very, like, um, I don't know, subliminal. It's like, I don't make a conscious, I don't know. Yeah, kind of weird. you don't muck it up too much. I can't muck it up too much because I, I do have a life. Right. No, I think that's, you know, I hear that and I, it's it seems split sort of 50-50 because I've interviewed a lot of actors and some of them will have like a lot of technique yeah. and training and, and I, all this stuff. I, I'm so jealous of those people. Me too. I really am. Like I have a friend who's like, I need at least two weeks to get into my character. It's like, I, I, I like where, where do you go? He's like, I just, I go, you know, if it's filming in Atlanta, I go to Atlanta two weeks before. Yeah. You have kids. You have a wife. She's fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this is my this is my business. Wow. I think I think it's <laughs> I feel guilty, man. I, like, uh, like, bye. I used to go to good an, luck. I went to an acting class where the teacher would be like, and it's so silly, but it's true. She's like, find your fucking sparkle. She's like, whatever it is about you that's like inherently your essence. She's like, find it and cultivate that shit because I just think as actors, very few of us are like the. Christian Bales or the Daniel Day Lewis's that are like total transformers. Well, so they're always like, thanking their wives too. Do you know? Do you notice yes. that? They're always like, "I just want to right off the bat, yeah, thank my wife." Because what the fuck, dude? You're like, are you are you you're Dick Cheney at home too? Right. I mean, are you you're, you're Lincoln at home? And they are. But they are my friend. How though? How do you do it with kids? My buddy Paul Dano was in. Um, Paul's, oh, yeah, he's, he's fucking good too. Amazing. But, but is he happy? Um, I don't and, give a <laughs> shit. He's amazing. <laughs> I don't give a fuck so, about his well being. Yeah, sometimes I would trade happiness to for a couple of words. <laughs> so um, good. I remember hearing something to the effect of like he called um, Daniel, uh, like just kind of late one night, like a few months before doing There Will Be Blood. Yeah, yeah, and he wanted to ask him a question about something and his wife answered and said like, sure, let me go get, get Daniel. And then he just answered, Oh, hello. Like in the voice, yeah, sure. like fully like three months out, eight o'clock on a Thursday night. Oh no shit. This was pre pre Whoa. was the character like that far out was prepping. And then I heard like on set, I didn't no, hear he this. He was living in that little shack. Yeah. Right. I heard, is that true? I don't. I mean, I heard that whenever like he'd have to go back to his trailer or whatever, he would just say things like, oh, "I'm I'm gonna go away now," and he would just sort of like limp. Like there's just like, like these things. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I yeah, I'd like to know how they do it, right? I think that for them, I I, I got to interview Vincent D'Onofrio for the for another one, yeah, another brilliant guy, and and he just said something to the effect of like. Only if I do this much prep is the experience of doing the project fun. Like, can I walk unencumbered onto set and know that I can't really make a bad choice? That there won't really be a bad take. Yeah, but they're 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 playing such broad characters. I mean, 
in essence, right? I mean, we're we're not we don't play those kind of characters, right? Yet, I mean, we we possibly could, but um, the characters I've played, there's a lot of qualities that I have in in them. So mm. I just kind of bump up certain levels. But when you're playing like you know Dick Cheney, for instance, I just watched Vice. I mean, that's a that's a prosthetic and the whole thing. I mean, you you have to sort of live that skin, right? You can't just like walk on set as Christian Bale and then like when they say action, like oh, I'm Dick Cheney now. Yeah, just I mean, turn the, in the mannerisms, the 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 little ticks he had were all spot on, and you have to cultivate those months, I would imagine, and and, and so that it becomes organic on set. But for all the roles that we play, I mean, or that we've played. Well, I, I agree. And that's like to the whole finding your sparkle where it's like you, you can only be so many like such a gradation from from yourself. Like right. there's only so many versions well, unless of yourself. Unless you're wearing prosthetics or you're wearing a wig or, yeah. you know. So like cultivate that. Like bring whatever is charming and lovely and dramatic and funny about you to this part. Because like you might not find something completely artificial that's born out of like a creation. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. It's pretty deep, man. Find your sparkle. Listen. Make t-shirts. I'm going to shoot them up into the audience with a cannon. 20 years of acting experience. I have a podcast now, all right? So dial in. (laughs) You know what the fuck I'm talking about? How long have you had a podcast? Uh, It's eight months. Oh, really? This is, I thought you were like a a veteran. Not really. Veteran? 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 I think either is acceptable. Veterinarian? That too. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, it's going very well. Yeah, I would imagine. This you is great. Like you have how many how many followers followers do you have? Um, and don't say I don't know and give me a roundabout. You know the exact number. It's about seven point seven million five hundred forty five. <laughs> no, <don't> <laughs> it's seven point seven million. Did, uh, how how did how did that happen? I, Tell me. I, you know, I was on this app called Vine. Do mm-hmm. you remember Vine? Yeah, I do. I really just enjoyed it, and right. I followed the comedian Chris D'Elia, who I thought I was love super Chris. funny. He's super funny. He's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember- <laughs> He's great. Have you, had, have you had him on your podcast? Homeboy's dodging me. You hear that, Chris? Dude, what's He's very up? busy. Oh, stop it. I got MPG, Chris. all right, Chris? I'm doing just Come fine. on. No, hopefully. I'm sure I he's I follow Chris. Busy. Chris follows me. Maybe I'll, I'll slip into his DMs. My man. No, I won't, actually. God, you're generous. I well, I actually won't. I'm but I do love Chris. Chris, is, Chris was on a, uh, a show um, when we were on a show for NBC called Undateable. Of course. Right. And so we had like a cross promotions there. So he was a cool dude. Yeah. He's yeah. hilarious. And, and I remember loving his vines. And one day my wife just said, why don't you make one? And I did. And somehow there weren't enough people on the app yet. So it did really well. And then my next one did. And all of a sudden it was sort of this groundswell. And I remember distinctly like my agent calling me and saying, what is this? Like, here I am trying to sell you as like a leading man and you're being like an idiot in your car, like <laughs> being a weirdo. And I said, I don't know what this is, but I've never been able to go straight to uh, my audience before and sort of bypass the gatekeepers and whatever this is, I'm going to keep doing it. And I did. And it's sort of over the last five years sort of spawned all this uh, this big following and a lot of uh, opportunity. But I remember the first time I made money doing a Vine. And this was a year after it had been out and, and I'd like gained a couple million followers. And this company reached out and they said, uh, we've got this dating app 
And if you make a vine for us, we'll give you $5,000. And all they had to say next was, and we're a Nigerian prince. And like, you know, like those yeah, emails, like, yeah. and like, we just need your, your routing sure. info. But, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And like, if the money comes great. And if it doesn't, it was a six sure. second video I'll delete. And I remember I posted it and the money hit my account. And I did four of those in a month. Right. And it was the first time I'd made money kind of outside the business. And I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And That's what we're always looking for too, right? Yeah. As an actor, it was like, if I could just have like the side side piece, yeah. the side hustle. And that was it. So that kind of uh, spawned this whole other life, which has been really interesting and different and also pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Can't hate it. I mean, I don't have a whey protein sponsorship. But but your <laughs> whey protein is like fifty dollars a, a tub. <laughs> it's all right. You a, know a, what? Forty serving tub. When you're trying to get gains, it can get costly. Mark, <laughs> I don't underestimate it. When I'm trying to look like you, yeah, whey protein is not going to make you look like anybody. Well, what what do I got to do? I don't know. You're doing the right thing, man. You, you look you're like looking a, amazing. You look like a kettlebell guy. Uh, I do have kettlebells. I'm feeling like you do pull-ups. I do pull-ups. Push One up. arm pull-ups now. No, Pu I'm kidding. Push-ups. I do push-ups. Heavy squats, deadlifts. Uh, I do heavy squats and deadlifts. I used to do CrossFit, and I was a big CrossFit guy, and then I stopped. Because it... you hated everyone? Tell oh, me. God. Fuck that culture. CrossFit people are like vegans, and <laughs> you know, like they just tell you right off the bat, like, hey, I'm Mark Paul. I'm a CrossFitter. Yeah. And you're like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come up in the conversation? Good for you. You know, like you're, you, you go, you're, oh, my name's Sally. Hi, Sally. I'm a vegan. Right. Great. <laughs> they fall in the same category. They have to let you know that this is what they're doing. I just, what killed me is how like stoked they'd be like, I just like PR'd my deadlift. And I'm like, but you're still an accountant. Like nothing's going to change the fact that you're like not an athlete. Like I'm so stoked that you lifted heavyweight. Or I did the RX. I did the recommended weight, mm. you know, so I RX that, that workout. Yeah. It's like, that's a big thing. But the the prescribed or the prescribed workout, you know, like they have the wad of the day or the workout of the day is the wad, right? And so the wad would have a prescribed weight, and the prescribed weight was for super elite, elite. athletes, right? And if you didn't, you felt like shit. So you tried your best to RX it, and that's where trouble happens because you're trying to lift two hundred twenty five pounds off the fucking ground twenty times after you've just ran a mile. And you're going to hurt yourself because you're not a professional athlete. That's how I tore my pec, CrossFit. Is that right? Yeah, is bench that right? pressing. Yeah. Oh, my God. My shoulder partially is because of CrossFitting. I'm sure. Yeah. Where, um, did, you, where did you Did you do it here in, in uh, LA? At the training yard. Becca Voigt. <laughs> so North Hollywood's elite CrossFit gym. Oh, was it North Hollywood? Yeah. So I was at Cross. I was at uh, Horsepower. I know it well. You know, that that's very trendy. Like that is like the Lululemon of CrossFit. Well, I was there be, probably before it became the Lululemon, but mm. the, good people. I must say, like I really enjoyed the people. I saw friendships out of it, but it was kind of ridiculous for yeah. me. For me, it was because I, I'm super competitive. So of course, I had to compete in it, and I was competing in CrossFit. And I, you know, it's just it's a it's a full time job. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. It becomes thing. a thing. It's a lifestyle. Some people need it. Sure. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's a great. Good. Good for you. Yeah. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. 
While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Curious a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at Curious.Robinhood.com. All right, I don't want to keep you all day, so I'm going to give you my final well, you question. You have me until you have me for another, you know, thirty minutes. Mark Paul, it's going so well. I can't. You know what? I just feel you've said enough, as as uh, Howard always says. Have you done Howard Stern? Are you kidding me? That's a dream. Are you a big Howard fan? A huge Howard fan. Tell, you would do have that you? show. I've of done course. a wrap up show. <gasps> How is that? Awesome. With Gary. I've done it with Gary and John, John Hine and Rasan. 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 And uh, it was awesome. And I saw, the, I saw the studio, and they were having a meeting, and Richard and Sal and Will and everyone was there, at a me- like inside the studio having a meeting about for the next day. It was awesome. You know who was not in the meeting? Do you follow the show? Of course. Who was not in the meeting? Benji. Mehmet. Mehmet. Yeah. Right? Because he made this big thing about having to be in a meeting. Right. And then he's got the he's best the ideas meeting. ever. Yeah. Best ideas. He was not in the meeting. I, I even said that while I was in there. I was like, where's Mehmet? <laughs> How long have you been listening to Howard? Probably since 91, yeah. 90, 90, 91, yeah. Um, you would do the show? Of course. Wouldn't you? No. Why? You don't want to talk about your exploits? Uh, yeah, that's probably one of them. I don't want to have to apologize the next day. <laughs> but you're savvy. You'd find your way around but that, it, right? But see, and that's why I would never do it, because I understand with Howard... It's the not best fun if guests, you don't. exactly are, you know, guests that expose and, and are free and... and I mean, when John Stamos goes on, oh man, you hear everything. You know that when he walks out of that studio, his phone is ringing. Oh yeah, and he has to now apologize to A, B, C. I remember Stamos said something to the effect of, "When you're interviewed by Howard, you'll get onto a story that that Howard can tell is good, like that is just rife with you know." sound bites and he said Howard will lower his glasses and sort of look over his monitor and kind of give you like just Keep a going. look like yeah go give go it to go me. go give go it to go, me. go, yeah. go I don't no. want that look <laughs> right because I know what that would mean you right. would do it though yeah I mean I don't I'm not sure what he would get at it I don't think well, I have see, enough to that's talk a thing. about and if I don't I feel the same way I don't have enough to talk about I don't have you know I've I've worked with some people but I don't have great stories did you hear the le- latest interview with like David Allen Greer great he had great Prince. stories about Prince oh my god and Madonna and you know like Jim Carrey he had all these great stories and I feel like I don't have those stories. And so it would be a very quick interview. Right. And it would be one of those, well, you've said enough, you know, and, and uh, you know, it would it just, because I'm such a huge fan, I wouldn't be impressed with my interview. You know, Stamos took me to meet Howard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We were doing the pilot of, of Grandfathered. Okay. And he knew I was a Howard fan. And he's like. Because Stamos and him hang out off set in a way. Yeah, I, I did. I did the quote things and I realized we're not on, on, uh. On screen. Well, now they know. Yeah. 
Well, well, now they don't, but I, I, on set was in, in quotes. Well, because we all know that story of that when John was married to Rebecca Romaine and Howard was just dating Beth, right. they had a drunk night. That's right. And they thought there was a little bit of a thing going Swap-a-roo. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. He yeah. doesn't talk about Stamos that much right now. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I feel like Stamos is kind of like Well, cuz he's he's married, he's got a kid and he's got, he's doing the whole thing. Yeah, I think yeah. he's he's no longer like the Lothario that yeah. that Howard wants to believe that he was, but I just it, it was funny. So you met him? Yeah, I remember Stamos said to me like I I think it was like we were doing the pilot and it was like Passover on Friday and he's like, "You doing anything Jewish for Passover?" <laughs> I said, "No big plans." He's like, "I might have something better." And I said, Okay, he's like, Howard's coming into town. Jimmy Kimmel's going to have a big party for him at his house. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, but of course. Like, no, because I don't belong at that party. But yes, I would love to be your plus one. And I remember I walk in and like Jimmy Kimmel has a side house just for parties. He's got like a second house next to his house just for entertaining. And it's... Courtney Cox and Sia and Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman, who I sat next to, who talked to me a lot, which I really appreciate, Jason, because God knows and no one else talked to me there. Um, and like Will Arnett and just all these people and Howard's there. And I spent, you know, I didn't know what to do. Do I bring up the show? Like, because I feel like that's his real life. So do I say like, how's painting going? Like, I know you're really into art. Right. Should we talk about chess? Or right. does everyone bring that up? Needless to say, we spoke for about a minute and then he found a quick out, which I totally respect. And then all I remember hearing was on the show like a week later going like, yeah, I went to this party and Stamos was there. He brought some kid. I thought he was going to bring like some hot chick. <laughs> and I was like, all right. That was me. That was me. I was a kid. I was, no- I was noticed. Yeah. So it went well. Did it? No. <laughs> but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm okay with it now. Yeah. Um, all right, Mark Paul, my last question. When yeah. I ask everyone who is on the podcast, what are your one or two uh, Mark Paul Gossler commandments? Things, truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? Well, give me an example. Oh, man. There's so, like one of mine would be like, let go of the old story, be more yourself, or. Uh, the, you know, there's been, you know, like moments, things that have really stood out for you that you've held on to that made a big impact on your life that you maybe want to tell your kids or. Um, I think it, um, one of the big things for me growing up, because I, I brought up the, the fact that my, my parents were both immigrants was and specifically coming from Holland and anyone who's ever hung out with Dutch people. um they kind of they're they're kind of people that uh you know yeah you may be a famous actor or you may be a famous uh you know you, you found a cure for for cancer but you're just like us and i was i've always sort of instilled that is that when i'm on set it's a collaboration you know it's like what we do is a collaboration that there's not one person who's better than the other um we all have our talents and we're all equal in some way um and so i've i've i'd like for my children always remember their place in in a, in a way um I, I, f- I feel that yeah we, we just sort of have to realize like we're all a piece to a puzzle 
uh, and some of us are better at it, but that doesn't mean that we're better people in a way. I don't really, I've never really had to put it into words, but that's how I feel. That's how I've sort of lived my life. Now, again, you know, I, you could just simplify it by just saying, don't be an asshole. I like that. How about that? Strong. Just don't be an asshole. You heard it here first. But there, there's a thing of like, well, when people meet me, they're like, well, you're kind of standoffish. You could be an asshole. I'm like, well, that's just, I'm guarded in a way. And I don't open up until, you know, I get to know someone. I don't like friendly people. I don't trust friendly people. Me either. What the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with a friendly person? Seriously. <laughs> Life is hard. I don't, I don't, and I, I'll take it one step further. I don't trust happy people. Same here. I totally and I'm agree. fucking serious. I totally There's agree. a great book that I'm going to make a TV show about and uh, currently right now in development at, at uh, 20th. It's called You're Not That Great, But Neither Is Anyone Else. It was written by Elon Gale, who you should probably have in your podcast because okay. he will talk about happy people and how they should not be fucking trusted. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Like Why? happy people, it's all bullshit. Like, what are you hiding? You can't be that fucking happy. Mm. And why are you trying to push your happiness onto me? Like, just live your life. Again, it goes back to my point of like, you're not that special. Just just realize we're all a piece of a puzzle. Yeah. Like, it's cool. Like, you, you could be happy in your life, but don't, 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 don't try to make me like, you know, give me your happiness. I don't want your happiness. I think there's a roomy quote, which I like, which is, you know, we, we neither... We neither seek to rejoice nor despair. We just kind of, yeah. we're just humming. Just humming. Right around. in the middle. And there's ups and downs, but just hum along, right? Well, if you guys take anything from this podcast, remember. <laughs> I don't know what we Fuck out of here with that happiness <laughs> shit. Dude. Well, dude, just when you come up and see me, don't act all fucking happy. <laughs> yeah. Don't act all, you know, I mean, obviously don't act sad or, or depressed that you're meeting me or saying hi to me. Just be a real just one. Be, just be you. Yeah. Just be you. Like if people were just themselves, they're right. Cause it's like, I could trust that. Like somebody mm. comes up and is like, what's up? Yeah. Like, what's up? And speaking of piece of a puzzle, my other buddy says, man, we're all building the same puzzle and it's all sky. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Josh? I have no idea. I just Was like he repeating high it. when he said it. I don't even trust him. Is that happy? Is that happy talk? I don't know. This guy hasn't been employed for years. <laughs> he's happy as shit. <laughs> yeah. I think he's on that medicinal marijuana. It's not a bad thing. Have yeah. you tried the medicinal marijuana? No, I'm a sober cat. Oh, you are? I punched my ticket too early. Oh, really? I'm oh. one of those kid actors. Oh, did you Did you have... Yeah? yeah? I didn't know that. Sober. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, good for you. It works. You had to do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being a cliche real early. How early? Like, well, like 17 to 21 and then... Oh, no shit. So you've been sober for how long? Uh, 11 years. Holy shit. Yeah. You were tw you're 21. Yeah, 21. Wow. I gave up. I did all you my best drinking before. You gave up at 21. Yeah. So that's the thing too, because I grew up in the business. Like I was drinking like when I was 16. Of course. Like, all, I mean, there was no... Was there social media though? A little bit. A little, but thank God not really, which not I think really, saved right. me. And that's what saved me too, because I was at the clubs at 16. Right. Like we'd go to the clubs. So that by the time I was 19, I was over it. By the time I was 21, I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, dry. Yeah. I don't need to get a drink. Yeah. I, it's I, so funny. 21, you became sober. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Hopefully I, I don't know. My buddies and I always joke that there's no gold star for dying sober. So if I find out like, you know, I only have a couple days left to live. It's not going to look good, Mark Paul. Let me tell you, it's gonna. I'm going to be eating White Castle and but again, taking Vikings again. Though, just just do this. The the line. Stay on the line. Yeah. Walk the line. 
right? Yes. That's life. Walk the line. You can have your ups and downs. Just walk the line. Walk the line. Thank you, dude. Thanks, buddy. You're the man. That was it. That was Mark Paul Gossler. How great is he, Mark Paul? Thank you for doing the pod. You're the man. The Passage. Here comes that plug again on Fox. Treat yourself. Watch that shit. It's great. Anyway, guys, have an incredible week. Have an incredible life because you deserve it. And you know what? Even if you don't deserve it, steal it. Figure it out. Take it. Demand a great life because, I don't know, because you'll be forgotten anyway. So you might as well enjoy it while it lasts. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna end it on that, that slightly morbid, um, aimless thought. All the best. Thank you so much. Bye.